0: the these days. brewing, amazed that the focus remains the focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Before we get into it, I want to talk about my friends over at Inside tracker. So today more than ever, it's essential that we are making the right decisions to keep our bodies healthy, to keep them resilient, to live better, or simply to take on whatever the day may bring. So, you know, we're all overloaded with nutrition information, leaving us with so many more questions than answers, frankly, and that's definitely not where you want to be. You know, you have these questions like, does it even work? Can I trust this? Will this work for me and my training goals? Especially if you're a runner, right? That's going to be very important. How do you know that your body will, you know, kind of work with this uniquely, as opposed to say someone else's body? There's just so many questions, and it comes down to how do you get the answers? And that's exactly where Inside Tracker comes in. They're an ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood and DNA biomarkers, along with your lifestyle habits, to help you optimize your body and reach your goals. Inside Tracker's patented system will transform your body's data. Into knowledge, insights, and customized actions, where you can have science-backed recommendations. Are you ready to take control of your wellness journey? I know I am. I use Inside Tracker every quarter, and you should too. So unlock the power of your potential today with Inside Tracker. And like so many businesses, they have a Black Friday deal. So take advantage of Inside Tracker's best deal of the year and take control of your health by using their ultimate plan and save $200. This is their most comprehensive plan. So let's save $200 on their ultimate plan by using code gift from rambling run. That's right. Gift from rambling run. will save you $200 at checkout. If you forget it, it will be in the show notes. So thank you so much for that inside tracker. Um, they've been sponsoring my mastering 40, um, podcast as well, not podcast, but my mastering 40 journey. I did a full episode with one of their uh, dietitians, and it was very valuable for me. Uh, no question about it. So, big ups to them. Uh, they are doing great, great work. Lastly, you want to step up to the next level? Inside Tracker wants to help you out. So do I. Just launched the new Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. It will be January 15th to the 17th. Early bird registrations going on right now. $125 will get you. For that price alone, 23 of the most respected people in running will provide 30 to 40-minute videos on extremely precise and specific topics that affect dedicated amateur runners just like you. Do you want to have the best running year of your life in 2021? I know I do. So if you do, go over to com forward slash summit. Again, you can go to the show notes and you'll see it there as well. The com. It's all right there. Go register today and you will have, basically, you will set yourself up for what I think can be the best running year of your life. So let's get into it. Alicia, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, Matt. Super excited and honored to be back. This is, I'm, I'm pumped.
0: <laughs> I'm pumped too. So truth be told, we tried to do this two nights ago. We pressed record. I get a call on my phone that says COVID response team, and then had to talk to the COVID people, found out that my kids were exposed to COVID, were close contacts, they're in quarantine for 14 days, and you got to hear all of it. (laughs) (laughs) We we were recording. I get this phone call. I'm like, I can't skip this phone call. Um, But here we are, re-recording on Thursday night. So thank you for the flexibility in a little, little window into the Chittum house.
1: It wouldn't be 2020 without a pivot. (laughs) So this is the theme. We have to keep pivoting and moving on.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it's funny because their their close contact occurred on, would you believe it, Friday the 13th last week, um, which is hysterical around here because March, Friday the 13th is when school was canceled last year. Oh, man. So we had a little got a little symmetry going. Over here in Central Rhode Island, um, with the, with the Chittim family, Chittim clan, uh, which is kind of a funny situation. Um, but yeah, I am so excited to get you back on the show. So you were on this show about two years ago, and I would recommend anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, um, to go check it out. So that was about 150 episodes ago. Um, that was one of those episodes that really resonated with a large amount of people. So you're a you're a popular person. You have a lot of friends. You're in a very popular running group, Eritay, um, which is you know a national group, but you're kind of in one of the hubs, um, so to speak. Um, so you're you have a lot of friends who are in the running community, but I had so many people reach out about that episode because you and I talked about something that so many people are trying to do which was BQ. And for you it had been a long journey and an emotional one. And the, the, the conversation was emotional. People listened to it and got emotional and a lot of good vibes all around. So if you haven't listened to that one, you certainly don't need to turn this off and go listen to it now. But I would recommend coming, um, you know, coming back to the show and taking a listen once this one's over. Um, what was your response after that one? Because I got so many, so much feedback.
1: It was, it was overwhelming. It was really positive to hear so many other runners in the same shoes as I, and, you know, we, we put Boston qualifying on this pedestal, but what it comes down to at the end of the day is how much heart and hard work goes into it. And I think a lot of runners related because we, we all want to do this race that is part of history and it, it means a lot to us. So I hope it helped a lot of people. And yeah, it was, it was great.
0: Yeah, it really was. It, it really was an amazing thing. Um, and when, when you had that experience, I remember thinking like, well, you know what? Um, I know this was a huge day for her. And obviously it was it a was big deal. Um, the emotion of the conversation, you know, let that be known right from the start. But I already knew that because I follow you. I do follow you on Instagram and, and you're, and you live a very like open life when it comes to running and you're very, uh, oh, you, know, you just, you tell it the way it is in terms of how you're feeling and how you're doing, which I really appreciate. Um, but I remember thinking after that conversation, like, all right, but is this going to be a stepping stone moment for Alicia? Or is this one of those like, Hey, I achieved this big goal and now I'm going to kind of maybe look elsewhere for, you know, for new goals or maybe new hobbies and things like that. What was it like for you once you reached that moment that that you had spent so much time and energy going towards and then all of a sudden it's in your grasp? What was the aftermath of that?
1: That's a really great question. So immediately after um, I BQ'd at CAM in 2018, I took some time, a little bit of time off, but then I Wanted to reach a, a new goal, um, you know, as we do in these runner high moments, <laughs> and it's like, how? What else can I achieve? What? Can, what can my body do? And how can I push my mind? And I really wanted to um, run a, a one hundred and thirty at Napa Valley um, half marathon, which was that following March. But um, I think I was too excited, and I did one of those things that a lot of um, runners do where they kind of do too much too soon and you end up injured. And so that kind of derailed a a lot of my plans for 2019. And I ended up injured um, for about half the year, which was horrible.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. So Um, did you just, um, once CIM ended, did you just kind of just crank it back up again? Or was there, uh, some downtime?
1: Um, what happened? Now I have to think about what happened. I think I got let go from my, oh yes, that's right. So on your podcast, I had just got let go from my job. I found out my my last day was going to be, (laughs) um, December 31st 2018 and so I had a bunch of free time on my hand and with that free time I'm like well I'm gonna go run because what else am I gonna do other than looking for jobs so I just did too much too soon I was um just yeah I just did too much too soon and I end up straining a hamstring and it was really uncomfortable I didn't know I strained a hamstring um I ran a 5k on um, February, I think it was the beginning of February, and I ran it in a little under 20 minutes, which is still very impressive, but I knew my stride and everything was completely off, and I knew something was wrong. And I, as soon as that happened, um, I just took time off, and because I didn't have a job, I didn't have health insurance, so I couldn't seek proper health um, help, without paying a pretty penny for it so <laughs> kind of put me in a weird situation for a bit
0: yeah no kidding right like that that does become tough because seeing pts and things like that um is you know can, can definitely cost a lot of money you know and it's it can be a, a tough situation especially because it's almost like you know it I mean it's important to us but it's not like this critical thing right so it's not like you know you're you know, your you know, your your arm fell off or something, right? You are to the hospital and you're like, "I need to fix this right now." You know what I mean? It's kind of like, "Yeah, my hamstring hurts, but do I want to spend hundreds of dollars on this? Like, can I just kind of figure it out on my own?" Right? I guess it becomes like one of those deals.
1: Yeah, it. I time just went on and it wasn't getting any better. And I, I mean, I couldn't even walk. Like it was getting to the a point where I would try to go on a a walk around the block with my husband and our dog and it, it just was really painful.
0: So, um, yeah. So what was that like for you at that point? Because I've lost a job before and it's, uh, it's, you know, I don't want to be melodramatic about it, but it's traumatic, you know, especially if you don't see it coming and, um, it can be a really hard thing. So all of a sudden you're in this position where, you know, you lost a job and now running's ripped from you. Yep. What was that like? I mean, how, how did you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So actually around the same time, Paula, one of my teammates who you've also had, she ruptured her Achilles.
0: Oh she, yeah. I talked to her right after that. Yes. She, she's an awesome lady.
1: Yeah. So we were injured literally at the same time. So we kind of leaned on each other for a bit. And one of the things I was focusing on were, was strength training and writing um, gratitude out every day, you know, just trying to focus on what I can actually control. And so, and that's what she taught me as well. It's like, what can we control today? What little mini goal can we achieve? Is it, you know, 10 sit-ups a day or, so just trying trying to just ch- change what our, what our fitness goal was going to be since we couldn't, both of us literally couldn't walk or run, so.
0: Okay, so that, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see, especially when you have a friend like Paula, and I'm sure she would say the same thing about you. If I was talking to her, she'd be, I'd say, well, if you have a friend like Alicia, like it probably helps out right? to be kind of, you know, work together and t- towards these goals. Um, were you able to stay that positive in the moment or was it something that um, was a little bit more emotive uh, in terms of kind of dealing with all this stuff? Or were you able to kind of rise above it?
1: Um, I definitely had my ups and downs. I ate a lot of peanut butter. So I kind of gained <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter became my comfort food because I just was stress eating and um that wasn't. Well, good healthy. for you for
0: picking like an inexpensive <laughs> comfort food, right? Like I mean, like you, you can buy a lot of peanut butter. I guess maybe that's a good and a bad thing, I guess, in that well, regard. But. You
1: could buy a lot of peanut butter when you don't have, you know, an income coming in. It's like P B and J's what I make and eat for dinner? Um So, um, but yeah, it was just constantly looking for a new goal and, um, looking for the positives. I think that's always been my characteristic. Um, and I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm constantly searching. And even when I'm having a low, you have to reframe your mind and realize, you know, there are worse things out there. Um, I am going to get better. We are going to get better. You're going to get better out of that injury. It's going to take time. It's, you know, it's not life or death.
0: So have you done those sorts of practices in the past, or had you just been just generally optimistic and generally trying to find the silver lining for things?
1: I think I've always been like that my whole life, really. And I think what also enhanced it, um, and I mentioned this on your podcast last time, was Dina Castor's book, um, Is It Born to Run? Now I'm going to butcher that one, sorry. No, No, that's that's Chris McDougall's. Yeah, you're right. No, I have to... Oh, shoot. What is her book called?
0: All right. So, see if you can beat me to it. So, I'm looking up in Audible because I have it. So, see if you can get it before I bring it up. Clock's a ticking. Oh, God. It does end in the word run. I'll give you five more seconds. Can you get it? Let your
1: mind run. Let your mind run. Let
0: your mind You got it. Did you look it up?
1: (laughs) I Googled it. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Dina. If she ever listens to this episode, I'm so sorry. Big fan. Um, Anyway, so, yeah. That book, she ta- talks a lot about gratitude and writing out your gratitude, and it really helps reframe your mind, um, you know, especially when you're on a hard run or, you know, your day maybe, um, you're maybe having a low moment in your day, and it just, it really does help.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It is funny because it helps most when you're feeling the worst, and it's funny because like when you're feeling the worst, it's like, I know this has been like, again, this is nothing that I've done in the past to a significant degree i've done it in, in, in sporadic bursts but it's like it feels so trite if you're not used to doing it it's like oh okay like what am i doing here you know what i mean and it's so easy to be cynical about it you know what i mean um but it does work it's so funny like it's just it's so easy to be cynical about it and when you're in a bad mood it's so easy to be cynical and then when you kind of lean into it you're like, oh, you're right. Like it's this all, it, it does help you relate to what's actually happening and what could, could be happening, which could be so much worse. Right? right. And it does, it does allow for a lot of, uh, you know, for her, certainly a large degree of perspective. I think if you do it right.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree. And I also feel like, I, I don't know about you, but when I get into a negative headspace, I give myself that pity party for a bit. I mean, I'm not, obviously, I'm not perfect. I have my low moments. But then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I'm kind of sick being negative. I'm like turning everybody off around me. And I, I'd rather be the person that attracts and lights other people up. I don't want to be that Debbie Downer. so yeah, there's definitely a time, allow your pity party, maybe set it for 10 minutes, turn it off and move on with your life.
0: Yeah. So what was it? Like, what was it like for you in terms of turning it around? Like walk, walk us through it.
1: Yeah. So eventually I got a job, which was great, which means health insurance, which meant I could immediately make it an appointment, which I did. But the bummer part was the doctors kept telling me it was my IT band Two doctors. So there was a a general health doctor or general health practitioner. He told me it was my IT band, referred me to the sports doctor. The sports doctor told me it was my IT band. And I kept telling them that's not where I feel the pain. And they're like, well, it's pretty close and just do these moves. So, you know, three weeks of PT and I wasn't getting any better. So I kind of threw my hands up and looked for other. solutions. And I actually found through one of my other RTA teammates, um, this gentleman um, of uh, his name is Hal Rosenberg of Mount Tam Sports and Spine. And he works specifically on ultra marathoners and marathoners and runners and all sports athletes. So when I saw him um, and made an appointment, he was like immediately, like, it's your hamstring. I was like, thank you. Like somebody <laughs> somebody who knows the, the body. Um, so I was seeing him twice a week. So for the first three weeks, twice a week, and then um, a month after I saw him, I was able to run my first mile without any hamstring pain. And mind you, I was retaught myself how to run and i wanted to do it right so i would set a timer for 10 minutes and i would do a walk run sequence of two 2 minutes walk run 1 minute run so i would do that and i eventually like um uh inch the time up week after week until i was able to run you know that 1 mile non stopping so that was a huge turning point um, in my um, road to recovery was what i was calling it on my social media I was um and that was in may and that was like the best the best day ever because i was like yes finally i'm 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 going somewhere with this
0: i want to highlight this because like six months prior to that you're like i want to run or break 130 in the half marathon in 2019 right that's what you were talking about here yes. um in 2019 so and then five months later, you're like, I ran, walk, mm-hmm. a you one in one minute clips here, and this is the best day ever. So I want to highlight this because so many people who get hurt, present company included, meaning your your host here, been um, coming back from injury, it's so easy to try to have this feeling of let's make up for lost time, um, which is you know, it's irrelevant. You can't make up for lost time, right? It's a sunk cost at that point, but it's so easy to want
1: to do that. Yeah, it it is. But the thing is, is that I looked at my new road to recovery as new goals and new benchmarks. So the only way getting me through this was knowing I was doing all the right things. So I could eventually run um, a time that that was comparable to what I could do prior to injury. And I would look at this is my new body and it's getting stronger for me doing all the right things now. And you can't force it.
0: But this is a great point because this is also shows like why it's so important to see, you know, a competent PT when things pop up. Because this happens. This happened to you in January right? Like I interviewed Paula, I think like end of January is when she tore her Achilles Mm -hmm. right there. And you're in right now you're talking about may. Mm -hmm. So obviously you had extenuating circumstances why you weren't able to engage with, um, physical therapists right away. And then obviously you had the situation where maybe you had, you saw people who didn't quite, um, unfortunately for you, weren't able to diagnose it correctly, but this is a great point. Like it took this individual, like basically a month to set you up to, to, to start recovering and getting back into the mix. But it took you four months of basically nothing to get to that one month of recovery, which like speaks to why working with some of these individuals can be so critical and can be so time-saving.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I I, I wish, obviously you can't change um, and turn back time, but I wish I found how sooner. <laughs> so he could have, could have told me then, Um, and started fixing me then, but you know, this is my journey and that's why I'm here talking to you. So,
0: (laughs) no, I love it. I love it. And I I want to point this out because it's one of those things where it affects, it's going to affect every runner at some point, right? Like getting injured, going through recovery and the pitfalls and hurdles that go along with it. And it's so interesting to hear someone who has experienced some of these for a variety of different reasons and the things that we can all take from it. Because I think that there are relevant lessons here for all of us. And someone who's like me, like, right, I'm... Walking around right now with (laughs) big ace bandage on my ankle after spraining my ankle this weekend. Um, So I know we've all we've all been there. And if we haven't, unfortunately, you probably will be at some point. So it can be so illustrative for so many of us. So that's in May. You start kind of the long road back. You have been so driven in so many ways in your athletic life. At that point, did you have goals moving forward or was the process just the goal for you?
1: My goal was to run the New York City Marathon, which was that November, injury and pain-free. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some pain, but not in the sense of my hamstring. I I wanted to run injury-free. And how um, Dr. Rosenberg told me, he could do that. He could continue to help me to make sure I was going to run the 26.2 miles in Manhattan. So that was my goal.
0: That's great. And what was the, the path to New York? Was it fairly linear or did you have any hiccups along the way?
1: Um, I mean, there, I, there were, I followed a beginner training plan. I mean, literally just right off the internet um, from road, run, uh, why my brain blanking right now, runner's world. Marathon, um, just a beginner's training plan where you, know, you start out at 15 miles a week, um, and no speed work, nothing crazy. Um, you just ticking up your miles every every week, and um, I followed that, and you know, I, it was good. I it wasn't I, it wasn't a blow to my ego or anything. I I just was very persistent to keep doing the right things, to keep seeing how and to keep um, and strength train, Um, you know, do some of those some PT moves to strengthen the glutes and the quads and, you know, your legs and all the things that we don't think we need to do. But in the long run, it is very beneficial to strength train.
0: Yeah. And let's just skip to the end of the page here. Were you able to do it? Were you able to to reach your goal of running New York pain-free?
1: Yes. I ran the New York City Marathon. It was electric, and I ran it in right under four hours at three hours and 50 minutes, and I was elated. I was excited. I came back to um, Hal's office with my medal, and I was crying to him because I was like, yes, we did it, because it just... to get to, to to get to any finish line you you can't get there a, alone you, you have a team of people whether it's your family supporting you your friends supporting you you know they're all there cheering you on every step of the way so that was a that was a great feeling um to finish and to know i i did it I committed and I did it
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, it wasn't the year that you had planned for a year prior to that. But it's amazing to see it all kind of come together for you You know, to be able to, you know, shift plans, figure out what you need to do, and then all of a sudden be able to execute it uh, over a long period of time, right over the six months or so, um, which is an exciting thing. And really, at that point set you up, you must've been feeling pretty confident and into 2020 in terms of how you were feeling, um, with your body and just the, 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 upward trajectory that you were experiencing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I felt, I felt good about my body, but I knew I needed expertise. Um, and so I actually was helping another friend. She wanted to get into running and had asked my advice for, some coat for some coaching programs out there. And I did some research and I actually found run for PRS. Um, I think, and again, I learned of run for PRS through your podcast. (laughs) So Victoria and, um, and I submitted a questionnaire and I told them my history. I told them my goals and they set me up with a coach and who was, um, conditioned to help athletes um stay injury free and help them um you know not get injured or fall back on their injury that they had so it it was that was a huge turning point if we're going to talk about something we we definitely should talk about my relationship with coach ben and run for prs definitely
0: yeah let's do it because you you talked about i mean you 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 were able to do something that a lot of people hope to do, which is qualify for Boston, right? Um So you were not a novice. So what was it then you, as you mentioned, you kind of basically took a like the novice approach from a building mileage standpoint to get ready for New York post-injury. So when you sign up um, with them and you're working with Coach Ben, what were some of the things that, you know, he changed with you that you either you hadn't done before or were things that maybe that they, he, he put like a, a focus on um, with you that was something that you hadn't, hadn't been a primary focus of yours in the past?
1: I think the main importance that he constantly had with me was keeping my mileage low. It, it might sound and might look, you know, sexy on social media that you see runners running 60, 70, 80 miles a week, but I, I break down, my body breaks down and he kept me at, I looked at my years average. I ran an average of 39 miles a week and that's not a lot in comparison to you know, a lot of these other runners that are out there and it and for the success that I've had with my times, that's what's been mind boggling for me is yes, he gave me, you know, the recovery runs that you might see in a a typical training plan and gave me speed work. Um, Oh, the other thing I think that was really helpful, I had never done before was heart rate training. So on particular easy runs slash recovery runs and my long distance runs, I had to keep my heart rate down below. And this is for me. I'm not going to say, you know, if you're, you know, X age run, run this heart rate, but I had to run under 155 beats per minute. Um, And so that was a challenge learning to enjoy running slower, learning to enjoy running at a 930 pace um, and knowing that it's going to benefit you to take it easy um, and save those legs for speed workout days.
0: So what was your easy pace prior to putting on, you know, prior to doing the heart rate training?
1: I think I thought my easy pace was like 830. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you basically like lopped a minute off your easy pace, basically, when you started working with Ben.
1: Yeah, I found my easy pace at 830 was um, to speed around, but it, no, it, I needed to slow it down and I needed to make sure that the heart rate was under 155.
0: Right, because if you were doing easy paces at 830, then that means your easy pace was faster than your marathon pace in New York. Yeah, because an, an 8.30 mile pace, it basically is an 8.44, 8.45, I'm sorry, a 3.44, 3.45 marathon.
1: Yeah. So you're not conditioning your body the way it actually needed to be conditioned.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Now, that's a, quite, now that's a point that so many people struggle with, right? Because they have that feeling of like, all right, like, you know, I want, you know, first of all, like, it's just – for so many of us, it's just more fun to run faster, right? So we're, we're doing this for fun. So we're like, well, why do I want to go so slow? I don't, this isn't, this isn't as enjoyable. Um, you know, I know that's been, that's been some of my issues with the easy running is that like my natural running feels like it's more fun, more enjoyable and just feels better. And it's faster than maybe I should be going. What were some of this hurdles that you had to go through to not only like, you know, become cognizant of the, you know, the, the pace that you need to run with the heart rate monitor, but also just overcoming the hurdles of like accepting that pace.
1: Um, I think it, I think it naturally came to me because I, I knew I was paying this person <laughs> to guide me. So I was going to follow what this person was giving me. Um, and so it, it, I, was a very good student um, and I think I still am a very good student <laughs> when it comes to that
0: now how did it affect your um your workout days right because i think a lot of people look at these paces for easy days because you, you they're, they're basically there's two reasons for it right is to make sure that you're recovering from your last hard workout and then preparing for your next hard workout Right. So you you, you, either, you kind of look in both directions, past and future. So obviously, 2019 was was, you know, you can't really compare your workouts to 2019 because it was kind of like a, a crazy, not a lost year from a workout perspective. But you weren't doing the kind of hard workouts that maybe you had been done the previous year when you qualified for Boston. So what was it like for you, you know, kind of maybe going into those workout days, maybe a little bit more fresh than you had been in the past?
1: um I think I mean I was really excited um and I just take I just took them as they came I was very eager to um do the speed workout days when they were the the speed workout when it was scheduled and I was um I was excited for the long runs because that was something when I submitted my times to him he, he, he had told me something's not clicking here. How are you a faster runner, but your marathon time is X. Something's not correlating here, but we're going to fix that. And that's why he gave me these runs, these long runs, um, at the easier paces. Cause he really wanted to, or I don't want to say easier. I'm sorry. Um, I, at the, this specific heart rate pace because he really wanted to condition my body to handle the time on my feet and and make me stronger in in endurance, which is what I was lacking.
0: All right, so let's talk about the mileage because you brought that up. like that this was you know from a mileage standpoint, you know you just ran. 304 marathon, right? So this is, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast has already seen the podcast description, has already heard my intro. They know that this happened. You did awesome. Just, Thank you. you know, just a week ago, right? You kicked butt. So you just mentioned how, you know, your mileage was, you know, around the you know, 39, 40 miles a week. Um, for most people who are going to run a time like that, they're not going to be putting in those kind of miles unless like they've done the crazy mileage before in their life and they're able to kind of maintain it through this sort of, um, mileage. So what was some of the thought process, um, in terms of what, why, why have the low mileage? Why was that a good fit for you?
1: Well, it was a good fit for me because I, I get injured easily. And so he really wanted to make sure we weren't going to re injure my hamstring. That was, um, clearly, uh, delicate. So we, we teetered on this fine line and continued, okay, how much can he give me? And then how much can my body handle? And I think throughout the whole year, I might've peaked at 55 miles for the week. But the other thing I think is really important is that, I mean, I've been, I was training for Boston in for 2020 in April And so I had a marathon build for that, and then that got canceled or postponed, I should say, which then pushed to September. So then I had another build for that. And then because of the fires here in California, that kind of got derailed. I ran it, but it wasn't to the best of my ability at all, um, just because the fires and and, um, I had some really bad cramping happening. Uh, and then, you know, with COVID, um, it's just learning to pivot and learning to just keep at it. Even when the, gr- when it feels like a grind to just keep pushing forward and know that no matter what you're doing, it's going to help you tomorrow.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you. Sh- I mean, shoot, 2019 is a great example of what happens when you're not able to be consistent due to injuries, right? And doesn't ev- everything everything gets changed, right? So if running that lower mileage is going to help you stay consistent, you know, shoot, consistency is like you know what do they say? I saw this quote. I've heard it so many times, but I saw it just the other day too. I think it was like Bill Belichick, who was the the coach of the uh, New England Patriots, said the best ability is availability, which is basically a, a nod to consistency. And it's so true. And the fact that you're able to, to maintain it um, certainly during a crazy year is vital. Absolutely. And, you know, you have, you know, we, we, were, we were talking offline about this um, earlier and we definitely wanted to dive in. Um, COVID has affected so many people in so many different ways Um you know, certainly some more than others, uh, depending on people's circumstances. So what's it been like for you this year?
1: (laughs) Woof. Obviously great. I I mean, I've seen a lot of quotes out there or or heard a lot from people like, COVID's been the worst year ever and I can't see my family. You know, we can definitely go down this negative um, um, rabbit hole on that. And, you know, thankfully for me, none of my family have, um, got COVID and none of my, nobody's been, you know, sick, um, and, or, you know, deceased from, from this disease, which is so devastating. But for, for me, it was, um, you know, literally I lost, again, um, full circle, lost my job in March, uh, right at the beginning of COVID. Um, and I had, to look for an opportunity. And when you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and, and the news feed is everybody else is losing their jobs around you. It got to a really low, a really low point there. And so for me running was my saving grace, knowing I had a schedule to stick to, um, gave me the opportunities to get outside and get fresh air and just kind of detach myself from what was going on in the world. Um, obviously I did it safely wearing um, a buff on my face and socially distancing and whatnot, but, you know, it, just sticking to that plan and having my family support me virtually ha- really helped um me stay sane even during my low moments.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear about the job. Um, you know, that's one of those things where obviously it's not virus um, related in the sense of like getting sick, but obviously it's very virus dependent uh, in so many industries. Um, what's it been like for you on the job front since then?
1: Well, I got a new job or career hey. and I, <laughs> so it, it did work out Um, and it took time, but yes, now I, I enjoy what I do and it, I feel like I have true, true purpose at my current position. Um, But yes, everything, you know, you have to just try to stay positive and know everything's working out. My dad told me this quote at the beginning of COVID, nothing's happening to you. Everything's happening for you. And when you can look at the world in that perspective and see that things are happening for you, you're, you're less of a victim and you can come out on top and you can take control of what your, your destiny is. Yes. You know, we can get philosophical here and, you know, we, we don't know what our fate is, but when you just have a moment to, to think, you know, I don't know how the world's unfolding or how my life's unfolding at the moment, but I know that something good is going to be around the corner. I mean, it's about, you know, staying positive and optimistic.
0: Right. And I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of different opinions on this, on that sort of um, belief system in terms of whether they, they, they follow through with it or they, they believe what you believe. But one thing is for sure. If you take the opposite view mm-hmm. and you're extremely negative, and you're extremely pessimistic, it's going to be harder for things to move in your direction. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm one of those people who kind of like, oftentimes when I hear, um, you know, hear, hear things like that, I immediately go like, oh, what's the opposite view? And if you do that, what's the outcome, right? I, I once heard someone say, um, and I'm really just, I mean, before, I, before I throw this tangent out there, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a wonderful thing because you you got to live that in 2019, right? Like you lost your job. At the end of 2018. And then, you know, what happened after that was these series of events that you were able to learn from in 2020. Right. And I'm sure like part of the reason that you didn't go do anything crazy after you lost your job in terms of maybe too hard, too fast from a running perspective, is that you had done yeah. something similar <laughs> just 14 months earlier and You're it right. didn't work it didn't work out for you.
1: Yep, I made the most mistakes already. I learned from
0: them. <laughs> right. No, it's so Yeah, I, the 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 tangent I was going to throw out there was there's these, I remember hearing this one quote, and it was about religion. And know, someone's like, all right, like, you know, I didn't, you know, it was, it, it was like this. these two people, and one this, one person sees this other guy, and he's praying, and he's like, hey, I didn't think you were religious. And they're like, oh, I'm not. Um, But I figured, hey, it couldn't hurt, yeah. right? And it's <laughs> like one of those things where it's like, um. You know, it it really again, again, being positive and optimistic and thinking things are doing happening for you, not to you. There's no negative in thinking like that, especially if it's gonna imp- kind of instigate you to, you know, have a positive mindset and to move in a way that's proactive to help yourself. Um, it certainly it seems like you have um a lot of people ask questions i know you did a mammoth q a session the other day um so i'm not going to ask you to relive that but i had some people <laughs> ask me questions for you and a lot of them would one one question was about mileage for sure okay. um there were a lot of questions about goals um because i think in part because you've had you know again with the bq goal that was very front and center for you in the past you know basically thinking about like all right what what was the goal for you um, with this marathon cycle and build, and you talked about like you know it's basically like two and a half builds with all of the all of the the craziness around racing. Um right. But did you have any? You know, when did a goal start to materialize for you? And was it aspirational or was it more fitness level based?
1: Um. So my goal when I had signed up with Run for PRs. I wanted to break three twenty. Like that's where my mind was. I just wanted to beat my 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 PR by six minutes. I wasn't thinking big. I wasn't being a dreamer. Um, and when we've revisited this goal back in um, early or September, he he said, you know, I have confidence that you could run a three oh five. And I kind of had one of these like you're you're joking you're who am i who am i to run a 305 when well, how did he answer that
0: how <laughs> do you answer that who, who when you said that to him what was his response
1: um coach ben he just says you know i believe in you and your your fitness is there and i think we're gonna have a really great run you know it was kind of one of those conversations and so I took it upon myself to just kind of detach myself from all of social media and Strava and just turn off the lights um, and, and really focus on my mental thoughts and my abilities, because I still thought I was a, you know, a 330, 326 marathoner, I didn't think I was anywhere near three hours for Pete's sake, like, that's crazy. That's crazy. So
0: Um, I mean, like when you, when you ran the time that you did, when you set your PR, it was like, it's never going to get better than this. This is the best (laughs) thing in the world. You know, you had that feeling of like, this is a lifetime achievement. Yes. Right. So all of a sudden this person's like, yeah, you're going to cut a minute per mile off that. Yeah. I can imagine that being exciting and maybe a little distressing, like, oh boy, like, (laughs) what am I in for here?
1: I just didn't know how I was going to do it because I didn't have any times to reflect that other than running some personal bests, um, throughout COVID through these virtual time trials. You know, I ran a 5k, um, I ran at 1836 and I, my PR was 1920. So that was a huge jump. Um And I also, you know, ran a 4th of July run and I, I did a mile time trial and these little times and I would hear these outside voices like you're such a you're such a quote unquote fast runner in the short distance. How and so putting those thoughts in my head, I'm only a short distance runner. How is this going to translate to marathoner? That's that's what I needed to um, refocus on and, and find the my identity in that I am a, a three hundred five marathoner or a three hundred ten marathoner, um, and and have that those thoughts and those um, you know that confidence within myself to believe I could actually do it.
0: Right. So I'm a big fan of uh, the V dot um app which jack daniels uh pioneered and and i use all that in my, in my coaching we use the vdot platform so um i just plugged in your 1836 into their equivalency calculator so they're like all right and every runner's done this a million times right you run a time you pop it in there what does this mean mm-hmm. um so all right so you, you pop the 5k in there 1836 marathon time pops up as like 258 right meaning like if you train for a marathon you train accordingly this might be within range of what you'd be capable of at this at a comparable fitness level. So when you ran that 1836 in a virtual race, no less, and you still had this these doubts about like, oh, you know, can I do this? And so on and so forth, like, what were the things that you guys needed to do in training to get over those hurdles? Not from a physical perspective, because you obviously had it in you because, well, you showed it then and you've done it now. But what did you have to do to cross those mental and emotional hurdles for yeah. you to really to really um, take advantage of the fitness that you had?
1: Yeah, um, I think the two still go hand in hand. So one of the things was he started giving me tempo runs at race pace. So seven minutes to 7.10, seven, 10 pace. Um and a couple other threshold fat like faster tempos at 640 to seven minute pace. Um, and then you know some mile repeats in there at some faster paces. So, and that was the build, probably five weeks to revel, um, was doing these faster race paces. And as I'm doing them every night in my journal, I have a training journal. I wrote One thing I was grateful for, for that day, for that very specific workout. And one thing that I was proud of achieving from that workout. So I would write, you know, today I'm grateful for the fresh air that I was able to get outside after work. And, you know, today I'm most proud that I was able to push on that last um, lap. And told myself, "Yes, I can." and I was able to complete it. So you know, when it came to the actual race day or the night before the race, the weekend of the race, I reflected back on my journal, and I went through months of me writing these positive things out of my training and it it really gave me. The confidence, and to go into the race believing, yes, I can actually do this. I, I, the number was scarier than the actual fitness of it, um, and I think that's where my brain had to make the switch. Was you've ran these paces in um, practice in training you can do this. You know, you can execute your splits are always flawless. You give it all all that you got. And on race day, that's exactly what I did. I followed the training or followed his split um, splits to a T minus the last 5k. That's kind of where I blew up. But who doesn't blow up on all 5k? So (laughs)
0: so it doesn't so it doesn't sound like there was this like paradigm shifting moment that was more of it was this consistent training over a long period of time and then what ultimately got you the confidence was reflection as opposed to like wow look at this performance i've just proved it to myself
1: yeah exactly
0: got it yeah because so many of us look for those like lightning strike moments of like, I have just reached a new level, right? I was here and now I'm there. And certainly that can happen on race day. If you haven't raced in a while, um, where you're not really any better than you were the day before, you've just kind of proven it to yourself. Whereas if, especially in a marathon build, um, it's a little different because you're not, um, necessarily, you know, racing, but at the same time, it seems like you had these race moments, um, Maybe not traditional race moments because of of um our virtual racing and things like that. Um, but obviously I you know, I'm, I am aware that you did end up breaking one thirty and a half. When did that happen?
1: That actually happened in the race. So, oh, hey now, I actually have a little beef with this situation because I don't know if it's a true break because according to my watch, I broke one thirty. <laughs> But according to the actual mile markers on the course, I did it. I'm still going to take that I broke it according to my watch because I was coming under every single mile just because I wasn't running the tangents. So there you go. And that's only going to give me the more confidence on a- an actual race. I know I can run run the time when, I ha- when it comes down to it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, considering you ran another 13.1 after that, um, even if you did take the the uh the non-watch time you'd be like well let's be honest i could have broken 130 even if you <laughs> even if you round up here um so you you ran you ran mountain revel which is an extremely popular race obviously things get scaled down um during covid and and you've written about how like you felt very very safe Uh, with all the procedures that they were doing in and around that race. And we've talked a lot on this podcast about how races have had to adjust um, what they do traditionally in those circumstances. One thing about that race that I want to talk about is um, it's one of those races where it's a significant uh, downhill course. And I've never run a real significant downhill course. Like I've run like hill repeats where I run down a hill, stuff like that. Right. Um, But I've never run a route like that. So what was your experience with those kind of routes coming into this race? And can you describe that for people? Because I know there's a lot of folks, especially out east, who don't really have access to like that series that aren't necessarily familiar with what it's like to do that for a long period of time and how it's just different than norm than like a more traditional elevation change.
1: Um, so I'd never had a true opportunity to train downhill the way this race required because I signed up, I think like four weeks in advance. Basically what happened was I was signed up for the Boise marathon for October 25th and that actually ended up canceling. So I scrambled to find Revel and that's why I pivoted in training Um, and this one was, you know, two weeks out of my actual goal race time or goal race day. So it was fine with when it came to training, when it came down to actually running the course, um, I just stuck to my race plan and I did not go out hot. Like everybody else did, uh, the way, how steep it is, it's really hard to, to control yourself in the sense of not going out too, too fast. You feel so good. You're flying through the weather conditions were perfect. I mean, when we started, it was 20 degrees. There was snow all around us because we were at 7,000 feet elevation. And, um, I felt really good Up until the halfway mark and that's when I could feel my quads starting to get sore and it wasn't the quad part right above your knee it was actually closer to where my my hips like my upper quads that's what was getting sore for me personally um but prior to that you know um since I didn't really have proper training all I could do was specific strength training work, um, such as, you know, squats, kettlebell, um, wall sits, things to really fatigue out the quads and then go and run. Um, so you're learning to run on those tired legs. Um, so that's what I, that's the advice I would give if anybody doesn't have hills around them and is looking to race a rebel race is just make sure you do do the quad strength training that is required, um, around you, or, you know, do the work on the treadmill. If you have access to one, I know gyms are closed for the most part throughout the country. Um, but that's, that's my rec, those are my recommendations.
0: Do you say it starts at 7,000 feet? Mm hmm. Okay so what was that like? I mean I know that you don't train at elevation. Um no. so you, I so at did,
1: level.
0: <laughs> Yeah so I'm saying so so what was it like? Did you feel like it kind of like canceled each other out like the downhill cancels out the elevation or what what what, what was what you know I guess I'm really having trouble spitting this question out. (laughs) What would you say um, was the interaction between those two factors, which are like so drastic in terms of how they would affect your running, at least in the short term, like before obviously the the quad pain comes about?
1: Um, When it came to cardiovascularly, I think is what you're trying to get at when you're running at that kind of elevation is I honestly, I think it was just endorphins going. I didn't feel much of a difference and because I was conditioned to run at my seven fifteen minute um, miles, um, it felt effortless for me. So I think I, I'm I'm a bad example for for what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it's
0: interesting because because I guess I guess what I'm what I'm, um, I'm I'm hinting at here is you know when you have these races where like. It's a significant downhill. And people who are unfamiliar who've never done before, and I'd be like, Oh, so that must be an easy marathon. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No such thing easy marathon. What was it like for you just like doing this race with all of these crazy factors, right? Because you have the elevation, which is new. You have this extreme downhill course, which is new. And you've run marathons in the past overall. Um, you you've, you you just kind of answered this question a little bit a little bit already. How much different was it than say like a New York City marathon or a more traditional route? Um, when when all
1: said and done, I I think what feels different about it is that you're flying down, um, and you don't realize the impact it's having on your legs until later. Um, because I took it cautiously, the first couple miles, um, there was people passing me. I mean, okay, so just to take a step back, because this was a socially distant race, Revel had us line up by our bid number um, in waves of 50. And so when I started, I was number 34, which means there was, you know, what what is that? 26 people behind me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, 16, 16
1: 16 people. 16 people. Sorry. I don't do math for a living. And so that I knew that there was people behind me and it got to a point where these people were flying past me. But when I got into mile 19, I was then passing people because they went out so hard and destroyed their quads. And I think that's what's different. New York was a very hard race just because. It was um, a bunch of, you know, there's like five bridges that you run over and um, it it just felt like a very different beast compared to this race. But um, what killed me personally was the last 10K when you're not flying down and you don't have gravity helping you anymore and it's starting to flatten out and now you have to use these legs that just got destroyed to carry you through. And I definitely had my um, judgment on Revel prior. And I, and I vowed, oh, I'm never going to run a Revel. That's cheating. I can't believe so many people Boston qualify <laughs> running Revel. And I completely take back my words. And I owe them such respect now because it is a very challenging um, way to run. And if you aren't prepared for it, that's where it's going to eat you up and spit you out.
0: Right. Like, I can imagine it being a completely different scenario if, like, you just said, like, hey, we're going to run a 5K on the first three miles of the Revel course, right? You'd be like, oh, well, then I don't have to worry about, like, the compound, you know, stress on my quads, right? We're right. going to be running for right here, like, like for, like, 20 minutes, yeah, right? like it's it's a completely different beast once you say no, 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 we're going to be running for you know three hours here.
1: Yeah, it was it was it's very challenging.
0: Well, I love it because you did something that so many people look at and they're like, oh my gosh, she did this. Now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, she's right on the doorstep of three hours. Like this woman, like it's incredible, and that's exactly the way I feel. Um, and I know I'm not the only one because I got so many messages of people. Echoing that sentiment like to me, and they were so excited that we were going to talk. So thank you so much for coming on for all the things that you're doing, because it really is for so many people so exciting to see someone that they view as like, wow, like this woman is so positive, but I feel like she's so much like me and she's doing all of these amazing things. It like gives so many people um I guess confidence. You know, because you're such a shining light for something that that they think that they can do. And when you have the chance to talk to folks who, you know, ask you, you know, like, hey, I want to be like you. Like, how? What, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to do to, to be and to achieve the things that you've achieved? Because for most amateur runners, like these are these are hallmark moments. Um, what are some of the things that you tell them?
1: Okay, first off, thank you so much for just saying all those beautiful things. That is like a lump in my throat. Like very, very sweet. But um, you know, my journey—like I was a five twenty marathoner, and the fact that I am now a three hundred four marathoner—it does speak to what you're saying. Is there are a lot of people out there like me, and my my message to them is like keep showing up. Quote unquote, that's from Des Linden. Literally keep showing up, stay with it, be persistent. When when you get knocked down in a hard run, pick yourself up, try again, and you just learn a little bit more about yourself every time. And that's what's going to get you to the next level. And you just have to keep at it, and you have to stay patient. Um, you know, I didn't think this would ever be my time. I honestly just thought, oh, I was going to run a three twenty. And so, I think that's the other message too: is don't sell yourself short. You know, dream, dream big, and work hard for it because it's it's a really awesome feeling. Like this is so cool, <laughs> and it and we can keep we can keep moving forward together. That's what this community is about.
0: I love it. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with everyone here.
1: Thank you, Matt. I'm again so honored to be here with you again. And it's it's so nice to chat with you. It's like an old friend.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors. We have Paper Trails Greeting Company, Prevenex and Inside Tracker, all companies that I know love use and thanks so much for being a part of this show also the rambling runner virtual summit what are you waiting for you know you want 2021 to be the best year of your running life so why not learn from some of the best people in running to help you get there for only 125 bucks you'll have left lifetime access to all the videos that they will be providing so thank you so much for listening and happy running enterprising in my surroundings i'm finding the quietest states these days this representation of storm brewing I'm amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team i'm trying to show this industry